Good morning. It's fantastic. Fantastic to see you bundles of sunshine this morning. We're going through the book of Galatians, and this week is the last week. Everybody say, aw. Aw. We're finishing up the book of Galatians. We would keep going, but they only have six chapters. I didn't write it. All right. Our key verse for today is Galatians 6, 6, and 7. It says, The one who is taught the message must share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, he will also reap. You know, for the past couple of years, this is the most quoted verse my dad has quoted to me. And the ones who are laughing know it's not because of any career choices I've made or financial decisions. It's because I have a child that acts just like me. And so my daughter might be running, screaming, yelling, tackling, punching. Lord knows, and my dad would just come behind me. Oh, son, for whatever a man soweth, shows shall he reap. God is not mocked. And you used to do the exact same thing when you were a kid, and I'm, I'm just glad you're getting And it's hilarious, and y'all are laughing, but Matt's up next, so. Oh, boy. And, you know, I've heard, that, I've heard many, many sermons preached on this verse, and most of the time when people uh, talk about this, it, it has to do with the subject of tithing. It has to do with the subject of, of your financial. It's, it's, and it's usually a church asking for money, like sow into this church and you're going to reap something. And that's all well and good. There's nothing wrong with that. But to me, it's, it's so much deeper than that because through our life we have opportunities to plant seeds and, and watch things grow and watch things happen. And I think that, unfortunately, there's been this culture that has swept the nation uh, and this culture of laziness. And where we, and if, to no fault of our own, we, the, uh, the idea of like sowing and reaping, and it's literally sowing and reaping, it, we don't understand the work it takes because like we, you know, might grow some tomatoes, get you a Home Depot bucket, bag of miracle Grow, packet of Burpee, big big boys, better boys, whatever, and then you're going to have a mater sandwich. And that's the sowing and reaping we do on a yearly basis. And it's pretty, it's pretty easy. You just have to not kill the tomato. Like, it's our only goal is to not kill the tomato. But I think that where the people who received this letter were reading it, the, the concept of sowing and reaping was far deeper than just a packet of seeds a bag of miracle grow and a mater sandwich. If they did not sow well, they did not eat at all. Anything. They died, in fact. So, you know, if you whatever you sow, you're gonna reap. And to them it was like life and death. If it didn't rain, you know, because they didn't have a, a a spigot on the side of the old house so they could water their plants. If it didn't rain, they they died. If they planted the wrong type of seed and they accidentally grew crabgrass, they died. If, you know, their dog stepped on their plant and killed it, they died. If for some reason they perhaps picked the wrong fruit too early, they died. It's very encouraging. But I think that when we read this verse, we kind of we take it lightly. And I, I want us to take it with some 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 a deeper look into it. Like 
life and death kind of thing. Like if you, if the whole grid went down, like all the conspiracy theorists are saying and trying to sell you the box of seeds, like how, what kind of mindset are you going to have when you're planting a garden that's like, listen, if this doesn't grow, me and my family are going to die. You're going to take a little more attention to what seeds you're planting, where you're planting them, how you're planting them. You know, I, I see, I've heard people say this to me a lot where we use the grace of God and we say like, well, this is what I'm going to do and I, th I think it's best and you know, bless God, he's just going to get me through it. And we use that to blindly walk into a stupid decision and go, oh, you know, that's just the way God made me. This is just how it's, it's going to be. I'm going to try this and if it doesn't work, I'm just going to have faith that God's going to catch me. When we've not prayed about it, not fasted about it, not read the Bible has to say about it. We're just going to blindly make a decision and say, God's going to get me. It's going to be okay. God's grace and provision is not a crutch to rest laziness. God is not mocked. Why do you think we put God is not mocked, whatever man sows? It's saying that God's not going to let you get away with doing stupid things and reaping his provision. Now, will God, and I fully believe when God wrote the plan for our lives, he took into account our stupidity. Because if anybody's like, well, I've never made a stupid decision since I've been a Christian. Well, that was a stupid one, and it's called lying. <laughs> and do, am I saying that the grace of God won't cover us when we make mistakes? No. I believe the grace of God is there for when we did our best and followed what he said, and we perhaps our own humanity got in the way. I, I see this mentality of we think that just because we drop a seed in the ground, it's going to grow. You know, before, before Harbor was born and me and Kelly were dating and married, I had, I, had a, I had a guilty pleasure. And about once a year, I would spend $5, and I'd usually buy two or three scratch-offs. And before you look at me with silent judgment, spending $5 at Taco Bell is a way bigger gamble than it is spending $5 on scratch-offs. <laughs> Okay, so keep that in mind. But I would spend five, and I usually get the one or two dollar ones, and like if I won anything, I'd just get another ticket with it, and it'd either be till I didn't win anything else, or I, you remember one time I, I hit it big, I won like $47. Took my wife to Longhorn. <laughs> High on the hog that week. But it was it was all fun, and it was just usually like if I had like an extra five dollar bill for some reason, and it was once a year, and I'd buy, and it was fun, and but it was always like the most I could win was like ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and in my head I'm like, you know, Lord, if it's your will, you know, <laughs> it'd be pretty cool, but you know, I I never won the ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and like could could I have won ten or fifteen thousand dollars from planting the seed of buying a scratch off? Absolutely, it is possible. It's enforced by law that somebody has got to buy one of those tickets, take out their you know, gross sticky penny out of their cup holder and scratch it off, and somebody's going to win. And so I technically planted a seed, but the odds of that seed growing into anything was not, not great. That every year that I did that, though, I showed up at work every day. And I made a lot more than $10,000 that year at work. And people who get addicted and you see them in the scratch-off line buying like $50 scratch-offs, which when people say that, I'm like, 
are you, I know you're not rich because rich people don't buy $50 scratch-offs. We don't get addicted to the thrill of scratching the pain. We get addicted to the laziness that we don't have to work to get the money. It's a lot easier, or I shouldn't say easier, it's a lot more guaranteed that you're going to make money if you go, I don't know, show up to work. And it had nothing to do with the fact that me showing up to work and me buying the you know little green scratch-off was any different of a seed. It's the soil in which I put the seed that made it grow better. What foundation was that seed laying on? There's a whole other scripture that, or a parable that talks about a man who threw seed on the rock and it didn't grow. And the man that threw it into the good soil, it grew well. It's not just about planting a seed. It's the foundation in which we plant it. It's about the environment in which it's nurtured. It's about maintaining it and pulling up other weeds out of the garden and about making sure the soil's tilled. And it's a whole lot more in-depth than just a wing and a prayer. Just, hey, let's hope it works. Because God is not mocked. I think that a lot of times when we have a big dream or aspiration for something to happen, we leave it at, well, if it's God's will. And that's absolutely true. But we stop it there. We say, listen, I, you know, I, I really want to go buy a house. It's very difficult to do. But if you don't start figuring out what you need to do to have a down payment, start talking to mortgage companies to get approved, start looking at houses, find a good real estate agent. A house isn't going to fall out of the sky, Wizard of Oz style, and be like, here you go. If we want to change our career, if we want to move forward, if we don't take active steps, it's not going to fall out of the sky. And where prayer is the best place to plant a seed, we can't stop at just saying, well, God, I'd like this, and if you could make it happen, that'd be fantastic. And I'm afraid we leave too many things at where we say we're leaving it in God's hands. Well, God's like, yeah, you put it in my hands, but I'm handing it back to you with a plan, and you're not, you're not taking it. Laziness is not to be crutched on God's provision. I've, I've seen these videos on Facebook that have been rolling around, and, and it's this whole culture, and some people call it quiet quitting, and some people call it uh, act your wage, and I, they're the dumbest videos on the planet, because everybody that works, they work in retail at a bottom level position, like act your wage, well, work, never mind, I'm not, we're not starting there. But the quiet quitting one, I, I always see. Because first of all, I've had, I've had like five jobs in my adult life. Four of them I quit. One of them, they quit for me. Um, <laughs> but I've never, I've never quietly quit anywhere. I have informed a lot of people loudly like, hey, y'all, next Friday, this ra- I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be gone. And it's... I remember I had this one particular job where I had, I'd I'd given them ample notice. Actually, I think I gave them three days notice, but I gave them ample notice. um, And there's, there's a manager on duty who looked at me and said, 
hey, um, all right, uh, excuse me, there's the, the day I was supposed to depart from said job was the date of my grandfather's funeral. And I said, hey, look, I know I'm supposed to work at four on Friday, but I'm, I'm leaving at one. They're like, we well, have to find somebody to cover your shift. I said, nope, you have to find somebody to cover my shift. I said, no, you have to stay till four. It's like, I don't. And I was not quiet about it. Because I quit for a reason. I was sound in my reasoning, and I was proud of my reasoning, and I was confident in the decision I made, so I didn't need to be quiet about anything. Quiet quitting is when we are either A, too scared to change our situation or too lazy to do something about it. I'm just going to ride the clock and not do anything and just stick it to that man that's making all the money. I, I heard somebody say one time, if your job suddenly went to commission, would you get a pay cut or a pay raise? And if you've ever worked on commission, and I, I've spent a large part of my adult life working on commission, you know, there are sometimes there are factors that play into it that are out of your control, but 99% of it is you busting your butt to make money. You know, there's no quiet quitting when you own your own business or you are completely relying on commission. It's all you, homie. Well, well, what about, I, I work at this place and they just don't appreciate me for who I am and all the hard work I do. Well, leave. There's five to 20,000 apps that help you find other employment elsewhere. Well, I don't know if I'm qualified. Well, then they're probably paying you what you need to be paid. Quiet quitting and this act your wage thing is a cancer that's on people today that are coming out of high school or going into college to think that because they breathe air, they deserve a large paycheck. And it's, this is not a bashing the younger generation. This is not a bashing. It's an unfortunately a culture that somebody created where everybody gets a trophy. If I lost, I didn't get a trophy. My dad made me walk home. <laughs> and we played church league. <clears throat> but I remember I, I, I was at this particular job, <clears throat> and I was, I was on commission, and I was training uh, one of the guys who was hourly and he was like an hourly employee and he's like I'm ready to bump up on commission and we, we we fixed cars and that's what we did and I remember I had a talk with him I said listen there's gonna be weeks when you think that everything is just all well because you're making a ton of money and then you're gonna break one bolt and you're gonna have to eat peanut butter and jelly for two weeks you're gonna make one mistake and it's gonna cost you big time he's like well I don't want to do that like, well, if you want to make money in this profession, you've got to be able to take a big risk. If you want to be able to excel and go farther, you've got to be willing to where there's a couple weeks where you mess up and you pay for it. And deal with the actions of, or excuse me, deal with the consequences of your own actions. And unfortunately, when we plant the tomato plant in the backyard, the consequences of our actions are we don't get tomatoes. When we're planting a seed 
that's going to keep us alive and sustain us, there's a lot bigger consequences. But it's kind of a risk-reward type thing. If we believe that God's called us to do something or that we believe that there's something in our life that needs to change and we put it in God's hands and then we go do something about it and we're wrong, we have to be able to accept the consequences of what went wrong. And that's the pro- part that people have a problem with, that I've had a problem with in the past, is that it's not that I'm scared to try, it's that I don't want to deal with it when it blows up in my face. You're willing to take the thing apart and put it back together, but when it goes back together and goes kaboom, well, we go, I, just, I, don't, I did everything right. Well, obviously not. You know, there's been times when I've made decisions that I was like, this is going to be a fantastic decision, and it blew up in my face and cost me a lot of money. I've made job choices that I was like, this is great, and I've, it felt like it was God's plan and everything's going to work out. And then a year later, I'm like, I'm leaving here because this is not. And, it, and it, it was bad. It was something that cost me money. It's something that cost me time. It's something that cost me a year of my life. But if we're unwilling to make risky moves to further ourselves in life. If we're unwilling to take a step that we've never taken before, then we're never going to get anything new. You know, I failed literally like five or six of the college courses I took. And two of them made me change my major. Because I took the same class twice and failed it both times. And I remember I had a professor come up to me, and she was this tall, and she taught statistics. And I don't know if you've got to know me pretty well, but not a math guy. <laughs> nothing, nothing against, I, I feel like I'm generally intelligent, not a math guy. If you need math help, find a math guy. But she came up to me, and she looked at me, and she goes, I have a question for you. I said, what's that? She's like, are you trying in my class? And I was waiting to get the lecture. I always got, you're just not trying. And I was like, yes, I am. She goes, well, I ask because you've, you've been in class every day. And, in, you know, yeah, I see you taking notes. But um, if you get 100 on the final, you still fail my class. And I said, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that because I, I tried to do the math and I thought I was okay. But <laughs> she goes, yeah, she's like, you, you, you might as well not show the rest of the semester. And I said, okay. And she goes, well, let me ask you something. What's your major? I said, finance. And she goes, and you're bad at math. I said, Yes. And she goes, you know you have to have this class to be a finance. I said, yes. She goes, and you're very bad at math. And I said, I am. And she goes, have you considered changing your major? In a very sweet, loving way. And I was like, yeah, I'm starting to. And she says, listen, you, you don't, don't look so far down the road where you take a career path that, you know, just because it might be lucrative, if you're bad at it, it's not lucrative. It's like, thank you, tiny woman that taught me things. And I took a risk. I was like, and my dad told me, he said, everybody in your life knew you weren't going to do well in finance. <laughs> He's like, we had to let you figure that out on your own. But, like, I had to fail a couple classes that I paid for to find out that I stayed bad at math as I was the rest of my prior life. You know, it, it, but it's sometimes it takes falling down two or three times to learn how to walk. Sometimes it takes getting shocked a couple times to learn how to do electrical work. Sometimes it takes, you know, taking a baseball to 
the jugular to learn how to catch. Everybody who's ever been good at anything did it very badly at one point in time. Everybody who's made millions of dollars has made bad investments. Everybody that is a genius has pushed on a pull door. It's true. Everybody's made mistakes. Everybody's made the wrong decision. Everybody's done something that they were not proud of. But what makes it worse is that we live in a culture where we every day check on Facebook and watch everybody else's highlight reel. Or we feel like we're the only ones that make bad decisions. And listen, everybody in this room has made bad decisions at one point in time. Everybody. And everybody in this room, including myself, will continue to make bad decisions. That is, unfortunately, the game of life. So if we want things to change, we want to plant good seed in the ground, we, we understand that there's a risk factor, and, and, and we, we understand that we're going to, you know, might get hit in the jugular with a baseball or whatever, and we're willing to take that step, but we don't know what step to take. And, you know, we, we, we spend time in prayer, we spend time reading the Bible, and it feels like still we can't find that step. And we might ask ourselves, like, well, am I just not praying right? Am I not studying right? What, what is the next step to take? And I, I genuinely don't know. And we've all been there where we, we walk around and just go like, God, I need your help because I, I, I need to do something, and I have no idea what it is. I'm willing to do something, but I have no idea where to, I don't even know where to start. And I, I saw this 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 video one time. It was it was it was during the marriage and family class at uh, and when I was in college, which thank God you didn't have to take that. But I remember sitting in it, and they said it was a professor, and he was talking, and it was a, it was a recording of his lecture. And he said, "People always want to talk about how do they find their spouse, how do they find their future spouse, like in the person they want." He says, well, go hang out at the places you want your future spouse to hang out. He's like, well, I want to I marry somebody that's really in shape. Well, go hang out at a gym. I want to marry somebody that's very financially responsible or wherever. I want to marry somebody that, that loves rock climbing. Well, go hang out with rock climbers. You, 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 you hunt where the animals are is where he said it. You go to where the people you want to be around are, the people you... So you're like, I want to start my own business where I don't know how to start. Start hanging out with some people that started a business. I want to learn how to play a musical instrument. Go sit in Guitar Center and somebody will give you advice unsolicited at some point in time. <laughs> you know, I want, I want to change my entire career. Go yell it in the room and I promise there's 10 people that have changed their entire career at some point in time. Find people that are a little further down the road than you, that have the scars to prove it, that have planted seeds that came up as duds and can show you how to not do that. The circle of people we hang out with greatly impacts how our life outcomes. And it's that way with gardening. If you, any, any kind of research you do, Planting different types of plants together help them grow. I'm not a, what's it called, a botanist? Is that right? Okay, botanist. We're going with botanist. I didn't know if it was that or the bug guy was a botanist, but 
if 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 you plant more plants together, different kinds, they they feed off of each other, they cross pollinate, and it's healthier because they help each other be stronger, where individually they might be weak. So many times I feel like <laughs> we go ask advice from people that have absolutely no idea w what they're talking about because they say it with such confidence. I love messing with people. They'll ask me a question, and I'll just say it with confidence, and I have no idea and know it's the wrong answer. But like, yeah, do that. And people, I, I remember one time <laughs> we, I, we were driving down the road. I was with somebody who I won't, won't mention because, you know. But so it was one of those big RVs. It was pulling a, a Jeep behind it. I went, man, it's crazy that that little Jeep can push that big RV. This person, like, looked at me like, but because I said it with confidence, it, like, it made you think. You say something with enough confidence, it sounds right. And that's a dangerous tool to have. But unfortunately, we're on the receiving end of that where somebody comes up and it's like, listen, I know I've been divorced 14 times, but let me tell you how to have a godly marriage. And you go, yeah, you've, you've had a lot of experience. I, I need to let me turn my ear to you. Or people that don't have kids be like, let me tell you how to, how to, how to discipline your children. And be like, I'm about to chase you with a belt if you open your mouth one more time. When people with no kids say, well, if, when I have kids, I'm going to. And you're like, <laughs> you're going to die. That's what's going to happen. That's, that's all that's going to happen. Which, or we, we take advice from people about our walk with Christ and fail to open our own Bible. We rely on the, the, the YouTube preachers and Facebook and whatever else we read the quote of the day for our walk with Christ and what we should be doing, and we never bother to crack open our own Bibles. Somebody else can't grow our garden for us. If we're going to take steps forward and grow a bountiful harvest we have to be the ones to plant it in the ground. Because let me tell you something. Nobody is, should be more invested in your life than you are. Nobody should be more in your corner and rooting for you than you are. And if you have a problem with that, if, there's, if you're struggling with yourself where you really don't care how yourself does, then, then that's something you need to address first. Talk to somebody who can help you care about your future. Because unfortunately, when we read the news right now, they don't have a lot of good ones. And for especially young people who are in college or about to be out of college, it's difficult when it's like, well, I'm going to come out of college and the cheapest house I can buy is $8 million and it says little tykes on the side of it. The future doesn't look great when it's like everything on the planet is more expensive. Everybody on the planet is a little bit more grumpy. If you don't believe me, you have not worked in retail recently. Everybody is so caught up arguing with each other that we all just kind of get angry and no one cares and it's whatever. 
And we feel like we have no purpose and no future and no point in even planting the garden at all. Because what's the point if I know it's going to fail? Let me tell you something. I believe that everybody in this room was fearfully and wonderfully made, and God gave you a purpose on this planet, and even if you're going to fail, he still wants to give you that push to go forward and fail and learn. There's a famous quote, and I don't know exactly, but someone, someone asked Thomas Edison, they're like, well, how many times did you fail when you were making the light bulb? The, great, the, the single invention that changed the way the entire world operated. The light bulb. It's the, what, what people recognize as the invention that kicked everybody into the modern, because we can work when it's dark outside. The light bulb. And he says, well, I found like 300 ways to not make a light bulb, but I really didn't fail. Just, just took a little time. I know every way possible to not do it right, but when I got it down, I changed. You think after about try 100, he, it, like if you try something 100 times, and you're like, I think at this point it's safe to say it's not going to work. I mean, and you would, no one would blame you. I've done this a hundred times, and it still hasn't. I just think it's not possible. Like, I've given it all. But it took the one guy that was crazy enough to sit in his basement with a little, and, and he changed the entire world with a bulb. And now every, I mean, there's like thousands of them in this room. And we use them for everything. We wrap them on trees. We light up the dinner table. We do whatever. But it took one guy who was just a little crazy enough to keep going at it because he had a dream and he had a passion and he wanted to see the world changed. And listen, everybody in this room, everybody in this room is a little bit crazy, including me. I've eaten with every single person in here and talked to you. Everybody in here is a little bit crazy. Some more than others. But all it takes is you being crazy about the right thing and you watch you change the world. Everybody is so unique that there's a garden that you can grow that nobody else can grow. There's something that you can do that nobody else can do. And where it might not light up the whole world with bulbs, you might change one person's life. You might change one person's eternity. You might change one person's eternity that changes generations to come's eternity. You know, Billy, Billy Graham gets a whole lot of credit for being the greatest evangelist that the world has ever seen. The guy who led him to Christ doesn't get heard of a whole lot. You might not be called to be the next inventor of the light bulb, but you might be the next inventor of the light bulb science teacher. You might not be the person that invents the steam engine, but you might be the next person who invents the steam engine's boss who teaches them about a work ethic. You might not be the next Einstein. I know I'm not. <laughs> but you might drive the next Einstein back and forth to school every day and say, I hope you have a good day, son. You never know the impact you have on somebody else's life that can change the world. And so the seeds that we plant, sometimes we don't even know we're planting them. And we don't know what we planted until it's harvest time. So going forward, I believe that we need to do everything we do. Everything we do with a sense of 
how could this affect my life or somebody else's life years down the road? Because we don't have time to wait around to make big decisions. I don't want anybody in this room to ever be on the deathbed and gone, man, I just waited too long. I had such a great idea and I just, just didn't go. I played it safe. I just kind of, you know, I was a mediocre parent and had decent kids and I had a mediocre career and really didn't take any risks and, you know, it's okay. Which if you want to do that, cool. But I think everybody in here is willing and ready to be a little bit crazy to do something that could drastically change the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you that going forward we will be able to plant seeds that could reap a harvest that changes the world. Be with us today. Bless us and keep us. Help us to always remember why we do what we do. In your son's name, amen.